are listening to the Sales Story Podcast with award-winning storyteller, Yasmin Cater. Yasmin teaches persuasive leaders the new way of leveraging the brain to capture, consult, and convert lifelong diehard fans. Just grab your headphones, tune into this episode, and go through this in less than 30 minutes while going to work. And by the time you're done, you'll have the absolute best actionable tips from Asia's top CEOs on how to increase your impact in sales without being sleazy, pushy, or pretend to be someone else. Are you ready to learn how to better share your story? Hey, 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 and you know what time it is? It's time for the Sales Story Podcast. Today we are on episode number two, and we have an amazing guest, CEO and founder, Melissa Golan of RIP Global. RIP Global, literally, I think it is named after rest in peace because they're on a mission to go ahead and eliminate receipts. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I hate receipts. I think it's actually really irritating. Not only that, from an environmental perspective, I don't understand why, if I don't want the paper, why are we killing the trees and millions of trees, maybe even billions of trees for something that I don't even use and I just throw away. So when chatting with Melissa, I discovered it was because governments actually use receipts to track how companies spend money. So it's an integral part of making sure that how money is being spent isn't done in an ethical way. Now, what Melissa is trying to do in her company is to change how things are being done and disrupting the system. Now, I'm not going to spoil too much of the episode, but what she ends up doing is she's her product and her company is looking to reduce half of the time of how we actually process invoices. And that's why it's an amazing episode because you're not going to only hear how she crafts a story to make compelling, especially the people who never ever understood how the system works. And for those of you who are inventing products and services that have never been done before or never been seen before, Melissa's story will help you go through the processes of how to break some of those things down and how to build the business case to make things happen. Now, I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I loved interviewing Melissa. Have a great time. Thank you for joining me today for the Vision Story podcast. You're most welcome. I decided to have a chat with you and to learn more about RIP Global and just mm-hmm. dive in a little bit deeper. Cool. So, a couple things I wanted to ask you, like, what is the vision of RIP? Like, what, why do you guys exist? What do you guys do? Well, the vision of the company is to really solve the problem of processing receipts and invoices. I don't want to look at a receipt. I don't want to know it exists. I don't want to touch it. Um, and it really came from the lounge floor, uh, year two of reconciling receipts and bank statements. And I thought, actually, this is just dumb. Why are we still doing this? So I reversed engineered basically the whole purpose of receipts and bank statement data and thought, okay, what do we actually need to do to kill it? And you actually kill it at the source. And that's where the, the first concept really came from. Okay, did you have any experience working on an account or anything like this? No, I'm not an accountant. I'm a user of expensing solutions and bookkeeping. So <laughs> this is really about the user experience. And technology for me is not about the tech. No one really cares what language it's built in or any of that kind of stuff. They care what it can do for you. So my view is that technology, you should be the master of it, not the servant. And the best technology is one you don't even know you're using. Hmm. All right, so... 
Like I get it because you've explained it to me in a bit more yeah. like depth. Yeah. But like, so how does it work? Like I go to the store, I get a receipt. Like what are your, what is RIP actually doing for consumers? Well, what we're actually doing is really delivering connectivity. So if you look at the relationship between the customer, the merchant and the sales system, they're all actually connected. But at the moment, the merchant is the person that produces the receipt and it's got some of the information on it that the business needs. It's got the line-by-line data, it's got the GST number, the GST amount and who the merchant is. The merchant prints that and then hands it to the customer for the customer to do something with it. And so what it really should be an automated digitized system now has become manual and a complete pain for the for the customer. Okay. So what you need to understand is flexible automation. What does that mean? So customers buy stuff for different reasons and they might say, for example, if they're an accountant or a lawyer, they incur expenses on behalf of their clients and need to bill those, those expenses back to the client. So if we allow the customers to give the reason why they're making the purchase or apply a code or a job number to the receipt while it's still inside the merchant sales system, Mm. then actually the customer gets to pay and walk away. We pull the data packet directly out of the sales system, complete now with the customer's accounting data, and then we can reconcile it to payment information and push it into the ERP or accounting systems. So we're really taking what is a four to nine touch process down to a two. Yeah. Buy is one and audit is the other and that's it. Yeah. Like I love how I was talking about it earlier outside and one of the guys was like, oh, like, I don't know the company he mentioned. And you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. So, like, but they just emailed me. It's like, I think I'm done. Well, there's a big difference between digitization and automation. Yeah. So if something's digitized, that's great. And people often say, oh, well, they just email me the receipt or whatever. But then what do you do with it? Yeah. You know, you've got to consolidate all of your purchasing data to one centralized location, and then it becomes uh, a place where you can fully automate the whole process. Mm, yeah, love it. So, obviously, how long has the company been around for? We've been around for about five years. We're an enterprise automation platform for compliance. So, the first product we're releasing is expensing, rep expenses, primarily because. Um, it's a massive spend. It's a massive problem yeah. uh, for every business around the world. And typically, it's the second largest spend behind salaries. So when you've got an 8% forward rate across over a trillion dollars of spend and companies now are wanting full access to clean, reliable data, which is exactly what we do. We pipe in the data without any hands actually touching it. So it's like it's 8% forward rate globally right at the moment. I think the percentage actually comes from when people have been caught. I actually uh, imagine it's higher than that. Wow, that's that's kind of scary and incredible. Yeah. So, and you guys are the only ones in the market doing this at the moment. And we've got a global patent. So we've got World Intellectual Property Organization approval as novel, and we've got granted patents in the US, New Zealand, and pending all over the world. So the reality is our addressable market is any business that does not want to process receipts anymore. And that's pretty much everybody. So when we decided to take this product to market, we went to our government in New Zealand. Obviously, governments have got a fiduciary duty to taxpayers to be fraud-free and not to waste money. And really, the only way to do that is to automate. So that was our really our first enterprise client in New Zealand. Right. So obviously, government something is quite a hard kind of client to get for the first one. Like, 
was it something that they actually embraced immediately or what did you have to do to get them on board? Well, governments are really risk adverse. So, um, you know, a pilot is a really nice way to offer some comfort to the government. So I guess for us in New Zealand, we're the perfect sandbox for our government and our government is really focused on delivering services to the taxpayers now. So there's a little bit of work for our government to do on that. So the application of this particular product to our government will save them $200 million a year and 2 million hours of time. So, and because we're patent protected, no one else can do it. And the other interesting thing is that uh, there's a social aspect to this. You know, we're taking really awful jobs away from people that's freeing up their time to do more productive things. Mm. Um, we're eliminating fraud. And, of course, there's an environmental impact consideration. Yeah. 525,000 receipts is actually one tree, and that's been processed and cut and transported and all that kind of stuff. So it's about the social, economic, um, and environmental impact of what automation really is. Okay, kind of take back right now. So you, you had this idea, yeah, and then you went ahead and you started building it. And I'm guessing it cost some money. So mm-hmm. how did you get investors on board and buy into this vision when you were first starting out? Um, well, the first small round went to friends and family, but we heavily invested ourselves to start with. And then I started onboarding strategic investors. So people who had businesses that process receipts totally get it because they hate it. Yeah. The number one most hated <laughs> task. So when you start showing this concept and this product to people now, it's like, well, when can I get it? When can I get it? So it wasn't actually that difficult. A lot is to, so we, you know, to, I've raised two and a half million dollars pre-revenue and we're just about to close out another round in June for global scalability, but. It is hard. There's not a lot of investment money in New Zealand, but it's about picking the right people. You know, yeah. it's almost like dating. Yeah. You know, there's no point <laughs> going for dinner t- with a hundred different people. Um, you need to be quite selective. And so I've got smart money on board. And the other thing I'm really proud about is New Zealand um, has an indigenous people called Māori. Mm-hmm. I have my arm of Māori descent. And I have got a cornerstone investor who is a Māori tribe. So for us, it's really nice to be able to bring technology to the Indigenous um, sector of our country. So that makes me feel emotionally really happy. Yeah, I can imagine that. So, okay, I'm just thinking about this, taking a step back. Like, So you go ahead and you raise the money, you you build it, you get your first couple of clients. And then I heard you also like from there, you went got Australian government as a client as well. Like how did well, that work? As a- we, What we're doing with that is we are, we've partnered with NZBN in New Zealand and we're working with them on the e-invoicing product. So we're not live in Australia yet, but we are working with them on e-invoicing, which is an Australian, Singaporean and New Zealand government joint venture. Mm. Um, so that's really trying to promote digital framework invoices to speed up payments. So our government is saying that they will process and pay an e-invoice within three days of it landing. So for vendors and suppliers of the government to actually have that sort of turnaround and reduction in data days is significant. So how much was it before, before the three days? Like typically it was like... Before. Well, typically it's, you know, you get paid 20th of the month following. Mm. Um, but there's, you know, when you're not dealing with the government and other vendors in New Zealand, it's usually a lot longer than that because people yeah. actually have to sit down and process stuff yeah. and they leave it to the last minute because they don't want to do it. So there's actually quite extended data days. 
which doesn't serve anybody. Okay. So we figured out how you kind of got the money. And obviously like the way you told the story was the fact that there was nobody doing this. There's a massive problem. It's, it's very expensive. It's very time consuming. Everybody hates it. And like, and you guys are on this hero journey to help people save this time, this money, this energy, and to have much more ease of doing things. Mm -hmm. How did you apply the same story when it's going to actually recruit, you know, your first batch of uh, employees to come and join you? I made some huge mistakes in the first lot of hires because I'm not technically focused. Um, I'm not an accountant. Uh, So uh, it's a huge leap of trust and faith in people. And I, you know, good developers fit for purpose for what we needed really thin on the ground. And I think that's a global problem. So mm. I kissed a few frogs. There's no two ways about that. But then <laughs> I actually actively hunted for people who this did pump up, who did want to work for a, a globally focused company who is big and bold and, you know, is actually going to change people's lives. Yeah. And I think that really appealed to them. So I was able to recruit what I now say is the best tech team in New Zealand. Um, and for the company to keep their IP in-house is really important for us. Mm. Um, and just to build a team, you know, sitting together and eating together and all of those kind of things is really cool. My team's amazing. All right, amazing. So, like, within the team, like, did the story change as the team kind of evolved and started working together or that you guys kind of was just bonded by the idea of disruption and, and change? You know, it's different strokes for different folks, and I just honestly think I've got the right developers. Now, I, you know, we had a guy that didn't even know what a receipt was. So, Are you serious? In your yeah. Team? Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, great guy, but didn't really understand the value of what we were delivering, how it's going to change lives yeah of course, um yeah. so so that was quite interesting so then it was all a whole thing about you know getting that person to understand just how significant mm. this product really is um but this team that we have now fully invested you know i have to kick them out at the end of the day go home <laughs> um that's a great problem to have <laughs> yeah well you know you, you is as a CEO of a company, it's my job to look after the emotional and, and social welfare of, of, course, of yeah. my team. So I don't want them working at home. You know, work's work time, home is relax, recharge time, and, you know, we're pretty pretty strict about that. No, I, I love that. Like, I think it's fundamental, especially for, like, avoiding burnout and yeah. pain points like that. But the fact that they're so in love with what they're doing yeah. that they want to. Or whether yeah. they're allowed to or not is a different story, but they're actually like, no, but I want to do this one more tweak or this one more change. That's yeah. more powerful than anything else. Oh, and it's, you know, it's humbling and a pleasure um, to see them work. I think the big challenge that big companies have is as they grow, that they can't preserve that culture where people actually have excitement to go to work and mm. are committed to this bigger vision. Mm. So it affects them in terms of innovation, in terms of speed, in terms of turnaround, yeah. Yeah. dedication. Yeah. Well, I think in your case, you've kind of you've nurtured this environment to really help that kind of be in place as a way to kind of step to the next step and take it to a much more global space. And I think because I'm a non-technical founder, it's not my job to tell them what language to build the technology and it's not my job to, you know, just tell them how to work. Mm. So there's real trust and ownership from the team around that and I think that's critical for them, you know, and I think that's why they really buy into it. They, yeah. They're working like it's theirs. Um, because it is theirs. The technology side of the business is completely their responsibility. And, you know, for me to give have faith in them and trust, I think just makes them work in a, in a really dedicated um, fashion. Yeah. So 
for the customer side of the story, like obviously you have kind of like the government is your customer, but to make sure that it's running on the ground, you have to also get all the retail stories and hospitality stories to be on board as well. Well, that's the interesting thing. Um, we don't need all of the hospitality and merchants mm-hmm. on board. We So how we onboard our clients is we um, sign them up and then we'll say to them, okay, where is it that you want to spend your expensing spend? So this is another critical piece of expense management, yeah. controlling where the money goes at the other end. Oh, so, yeah. so then we're in a position to say to our expense and clients, here are the places that you are authorised to spend that money. And there's economies of scale opportunities in terms of discounting, particularly back to the government who are big spenders. And I think that's really um, a really strong part of the process. Obviously, one day we'll end up in all of the merchants. But while we're onboarding those specific clients, it, it actually helps us to be quite targeted with and who the merchants focus. are. Yeah. Exactly. So merchants that we want to work with are merchants that care about service that care about um, making more money because we're actually driving clients through the front door. Yeah. So loyalty systems are designed to keep your existing customers sticky. This is designed to grow your sales. Yeah. So then we can share some anonymized data back to our merchants around the typical spends, what people are buying, all of that kind of stuff so they can frame the offer to their clients in a way that, you know, the customers want to consume it. Wow, it's a whole different level of awesome. I was thinking, first of all, receiving, like, actually, as a merchant side, it's yeah. super insightful because if you know yeah. you're, like, I, I know I have a, a friend of mine who's had a shop in, um, close by to here for lunch mm-hmm. and he increased the price and I told him, I don't think it's a good idea. And he's like, oh yeah, well, I think it's important because I want to, you know, increase it. Like, well, I would minimize costs because a lunchtime crowd mm-hmm. has a daily budget of how yeah. much they spend. Yeah. So by you playing around with the number out of yeah. your butt, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really help actually for your customers yeah. or for your business, but this way you're actually helping these merchants by saying, this is the spend, this is the allowance they're allowed to have. Yeah. And then to work around that is so much more powerful than someone just guessing. Exactly. And and the other thing that we're offering back is the opportunity for them to advertise any offers or promotions back to the clients. So we're on our app is a okay, I'm in let's say Featherston Street in Wellington. There's a hundred restaurants there. Who's RIP enabled? Uh, this one, this one, this one. Yeah. And what are they offering today? So that is very um, valuable advertising for mm. the merchant because it's directly to the person who's ex- actually spending the money on the day they want to spend it. Yeah. Um, and we provide that for free for our merchants. So there's a lot of value in our ecosystem, and this is why it's such an elegant solution because all of the touch points benefit everybody wins from this the pos companies do because their products better after an integration with us because it does more stuff Mm. um you know the merchants are happy because we're sending customers to them we're providing them the facility to advertise back to their clients and they're not printing receipts which cost them money and because we're payment neutral we work for cash checks debit credit doesn't matter yeah so we're not forcing um, transactional charges on the merchant, which they also like. So it's very um, carefully designed in a really empathetic way. So all of the ecosystem gets something out of it. Yeah. And even as a story, it's just really powerful because it's just like customer pays a lot of love and care. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like every single pain point that you might have, we've thought about it. Yeah. And we're like literally designing it around. So this is the interesting thing. Everybody thinks I'm an accountant, yeah. which I'm not. 
I'm a customer, but I also used to work in the hospitality sector. So I really understand the pain of the merchants, the fact that they're working on a 26% margin, the pressures on their business. How can I best help you grow your business in a way that's not going to cost you any money? And I can send them customers and help them stop printing receipts, give them data information and an advertising channel. Yeah. And it's actually not hard for me to do. Yes. And this is an emotional intelligence product. Yeah. Um, it's been designed with, you know, emotion, I guess. Yeah. Um, so a little bit different than everything else currently in the market. All right. I love it. So the last thing I'm just going to share with you, just like ask you to share with us, is really in terms of like, what is your personal vision? You know, right now the company is growing, but like in terms of where do you want to see it in the next 5, 10, 15 years? Uh, well, we're heading out to the States in two weeks. Um, effectively, we're sandboxing New Zealand and Australia. So Australia and New Zealand pretty much work together on everything. Yeah. Um, we're really interested in helping the Singaporean government. But we're an automation platform for compliance. So for us, the first thing is expenses, and then there's bookkeeping, helping people push their data into MYB or Xero, Intuit or QuickBooks or any, um, even SAP and Oracle at the bigger end of the scale. And, and then, you know, what else is after that? Potentially tax extraction. Yeah. Um, so all of the things that people hate doing, mm-hmm. um, we could do them. You know, and that to me is like, <laughs> I'm excited. You're like, we could take over all the horrible things that you don't like doing. But that's what, you yeah. know, building products is about, right? Finding ugly things that people hate doing and getting rid of it. I mean, it's, for me, it's way beyond digitization. The automation of those tasks are just going to change people's lives mm. and the economic outcomes for businesses too. Yeah. And what I love about for me, storytelling is really about the fact that it's really about solving problems. That's all that we're actually doing with telling stories is like, actually, my product solves this problem for you that I know really hurts. And people say when you're, you know, creating a a business, oh, find a problem and solve it. I didn't have to find this problem. It followed me around for 10 years of my professional life, 10 years of expensing and bookkeeping and, you know, hating it. And it wasn't till the point where, you know, I'm also the primary income earner in the business that I thought, well, hang on a minute. I don't want to do this anymore. How do I get rid of it? I love that a lot. And I think what it is, it's not about, I think actually talking about your point about like find a problem and solve it. I think it's about like pay attention and feel pain and then pick one. Because (laughs) there's so many problems. I walk around the street. I'm like, problem, 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 problem. Like, and the problems like I don't want to fix, but there's somebody that should be fixing those problems because exactly. they would be able to make a killing on yeah. some of those things because the world is full of problems that yeah. we can end up helping and solving. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So any last thing you want to share on the podcast? It's, yeah, so people talk, so I love it when people talk about connectivity and they talk about, you know, disruption and things like that. But, you know, if if anyone's sort of listening to this podcast that has a disruptive technology solution, people don't like disruption. So prepare yourself for pushback Mm. um, from the incumbents, from this is the way it's been done for 20 years kind of attitudes that you will get. And because we're, you know, big enterprise providers, very slow to move. Um, So, you know, give yourself plenty of time and, you know, really appreciate that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Yeah. Um, And do everything that you can to protect your IP, protect your business, 
Um, that was huge for us. We've invested heavily in that. We've got some fantastic IP and some fantastic lawyers. You need those two. But yeah, just go for it. And, you know, don't be put off by naysayers and people that say, oh, it's really hard. Well, it is hard. We haven't built an app that you download from the app store that me- measures nose hair. There's no, you know. It's, <laughs> nose hair. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's, mean, it's, like, it's really what, random. Exactly. We, we, we're we not delivering spinovation here. Yeah. We're actually delivering a real meaningful, um, impactful product. Yeah. I think you bring up a very good point in terms of, like, people, like, don't like change. Yeah. And I think when it comes to, like, telling really powerful stories, it's about telling stories that people feel familiar with, like, oh, I yeah. hate receipts. Yeah. But then it's a little bit of a change where it's like, well, we'll use your app, we'll use your phone, and as a way to kind of remove it. So I think it's also about the fact that the change cannot be, like, we're not going to do from cups anymore because we're going to have, like, water into our mouth versus actually, like, you can still, you know, drink from cups, but... You don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's probably all I'd say about, you know, you know any advice that I'd give around um, what we're doing here? Yeah. No, maybe the last question is, like, in terms of for a company that's just starting who's looking at crafting their story about, you know, getting more funding, like any tips that you have that mm-hmm. people can maybe, like, take into to get um, people more on board, more interested or... Be targeted, be targeted. So do your homework, stalk the people that you think you're going to approach around investing. Have they invested in companies like you before? I'm the sole founder of this business and I'm a woman and I think the stats are currently uh, female-founded businesses only receive 2% of VC funding. So be really mindful of that as well. But pick people who are not just going to give you money. They're going to give you connections. They're going to give you advice. You need friends. You need friends, not just cash. Yeah. And if you don't like someone at the time they're giving you the money, you sure as hell ain't going to like them later on down the track when they're making demands on you. So, <laughs> you know, everybody's friends when you're engaged and at the wedding and then just imagine what that marriage is going to be like five years from now when, <laughs> you know, things get a bit rocky or things don't go according to plan. So just be really mindful of that. You know, there's as many good people out there with investment money as there is bad people. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for being with us here today. It's been a pleasure having this chat with you and seeing you again. It's been a while and I look forward to seeing what happens in your journey. Thank you, Yasmin. Thank you. I know. I know. Your brain is bursting right now on how you can do this. You can do this. Head over to your browser and type in sellstorypodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button and get the latest episodes of the show so you'll never miss one. Also, don't forget to sign up for our bonus content, Five Story Tweak, that can help catapult your storytelling techniques. We would love to get the word out. Do leave a review and tell a friend. And if you have any feedback about how we can improve the show or who we should feature, send us an email on the website or message on LinkedIn. 